0: My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Having a right view of God is critical to every aspect of our lives. It changes our perspective to really know how amazing God is and really how unamazing we are. I know it's not a word, but Natalie Grant sings of God's absolute supremacy in her song, Who Else? The question, who is like you, God, is a good one that God even rhetorically asks of himself. And I can't wait to dive into scripture to explore this question with you. But first, let's listen. Who else can take a tragedy and turn it Last week, we studied Isaiah chapter 40, and although we did not unpack verse 25 on the podcast, if you followed along by reading and interacting with Isaiah chapter 40 for yourself, then you might be thinking what I was thinking as I heard this song, because in verse 25, uh, it asks the same question as our song. In Isaiah 40, 25 says this, To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. The answer, of course, is no one. God is above all. In fact, when Moses inquired of God what he should call him during his experience with him at the burning bush, God did not reply with a, well, I'm like this God or I'm a little bit like that one. He he just straight up said, I am. Exodus 3.14 says, God said to Moses, I am Who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. And then later in Exodus chapter 8, in the midst of God's miraculous signs and wonders during the plagues, uh, Moses explains to Pharaoh the reason why God might give them relief, specifically from the frogs in this particular verse. So Exodus 8, 10 says, and he said, tomorrow, Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know. That there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs and the subsequent removal of them was a sign to prove God's supremacy. And then again, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David wants to build a house for God. And God basically says, no, David wouldn't build it, but rather his son Solomon would build it. And then God makes a covenant with David and his household. It's the Davidic covenant that would foreshadow that Christ the Messiah would come from the lineage of David. Now, when we're faced with the greatness of God, like David is here I think we could learn a lot from David's response because when faced with the greatness of God, David recognizes his own insignificance because first David asks, who am I? In in fact, let's read it together. Uh, Second Samuel chapter seven, verse 18. Then David went in, sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And as if this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God, you've also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. Is this your custom with man, O Lord God? What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, for the sake of your word and according to your own heart, you have accomplished this great thing and revealed it to your servant. Now, David's own response to the blessing of God was to have a right view of himself. Isn't that interesting? I, I I really hope that that's my response too. I hope the deeper I look into God and my Savior, the clearer I see him, I pray that the clearer I will see myself as nothing in comparison to him. Who am I? Now, this is going to be a really important thought as we continue this discussion, so don't let it just kind of slip in and slip out. But let's continue to review David's praise response to the Lord in chapter 7 of 2 Samuel. We read these words in verse 22. It says, therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Which leads me back to Isaiah. <laughs> because when you take the bite of reading in context, which I encourage you to do almost every week, and BITE is just an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. Reading in context is hands down my favorite bite. But when you read the chapter before your focus chapter and the chap- chapter you're focusing on and the chapter after, then another natural bite to take is to just read and keep on reading. So it makes sense that I would make my way through Isaiah chapter 44, where God literally asks the question of himself, who is like me? You see, last week we studied chapter 40, and I read 39 and 40 and 41 to prepare for my the, my discussion on chapter 40, but I just kept reading. So I just kept, I read and kept on reading. Uh, I took the bite of reading, keep on reading. So again, in, it's in chapter 44 where God literally asks, who is like me? Now, back in episode 373, we talked about being made in the image of God, but that doesn't mean that we're equal to him or we compare to him in that way. Uh, There are certain attributes of God that we can display. Uh, Theologians call these communicable attributes, things like loving and just and good and merciful and gracious and wise and faithful and truthful and the like. Now, while we can display these attributes, you see, God is these things, and He never ceases to be loving, to be just, to be good, to be merciful. He doesn't just display these things, He is these things. Then there's this whole list of attributes that only apply to God. These are called incommunicable attributes, things like infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, sovereign, self-existent, transcendent, and eternal. And in Isaiah chapter 44, God asks and answers the question unequivocally. In verse 6, it says, This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord of heaven's armies. I am the first and the last. There is no other God. Who is like me? Let him step forward and prove to you his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times when I established a people and explained its future. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purposes for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No, there is no other rock, not one. So there you have it. Who else? There is No one else. There is no other. And we can stop there. But God doesn't. He continues the discussion in Isaiah chapter 44. And I really think it's worth us taking a look at that as well. So you know how I say that sometimes we read things in the Bible and we're not sure what they mean, but it's okay to skip over it for a time until you gain more knowledge and experience because there's enough in there that we do understand that we can meditate on those pieces for now and then grow into the others. Well, this next section is something we can all understand. God lays out the logic, or the lack therein, of worshiping idols. And we're going to read it together, and it's not going to be difficult to understand. <laughs> on this podcast, my main goal is to inspire you to discover and meditate on God's Word for yourself. Step one is to read the text to know what it actually says, then move on to understanding what it means before jumping to what it means to me. And I think sometimes in my personal reading, I tend to skip over all the idolatry stuff because I don't struggle with bowing down to an image or I just really can't relate to when they're describing these images and things like that. So this time we're going to see what it says, what it means, and talk about what it means to us because I think It ties quite nicely with the question at hand, who else is like you, God? So let's jump in at verse 9. It says, how foolish are those who manufacture idols? These prized objects are really worthless. The people who worship idols don't know this, so they are all put to shame. Who but a fool would make his own God, an idol that cannot help him one bit? All who worship idols will be disgraced along with all these craftsmen, mere humans, who claim they can make a god. They may all stand together, but they will stand in terror And shame. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation because it really does help us understand. It uses words and language in um, an order that is very conversational and helps us really understand. But this text makes some declarative statements and then uses questions to help us understand what it really means. So those who manufacture idols are foolish. The idols, though prized, are worthless. And the people who worship them don't recognize that they're worthless. These are all declarative statements. And then the question, who but a fool would make his own God? (laughs) Rhetorical question with insight tucked in, an idol that cannot help him one bit. Now, God has already established in the verses right before this that there is no comparison to his power, his might or his purposes, especially not a made up God, a God that cannot rescue or guide or bless, which is what the people are seeking From gods, right? And verse 11 reminds us that there will be a consequence for this foolish thinking. Both the idol makers and the idol worshipers will stand together in terror and shame because, in the end, the gods they worship will not save them from an eternity separated from our creator redeemer. Then we read a story. And this is where I want you to take the bite of using your imagination. I want you to picture the scene as described here. Are you ready? I want you to picture a blacksmith and his tools. Verse 12, the blacksmith stands at his forge to make a sharp tool, pounding and shaping it with all his might. His work makes him hungry and weak. It makes him thirsty and faint. Can you picture it? I've, I've actually had the privilege of seeing blacksmiths at work. It is hot and dirty work. It's it's wonderful to see them pound out works of art and useful tools. But in this scene, he's pounding and shaping with all his might to create an idol. Either to create an idol out of the metal or to create the tools that are going to be used to create the idol. But he's just really working hard at something that um, we've already discovered in the verses above is foolish and um, not worth his time. But verse 13 then the wood carver measures a block of wood and draws a pattern on it. He works with chisel and plane. He carves it into a human figure. He gives it human beauty and puts it in a little shrine. Can you picture that? Talented artisans, they can bring forth amazing images from raw materials like wood and clay and iron. But did you notice this idol? This God was a human. He gives it human beauty and puts it in a little shrine. (laughs) We do that. We limit God by making him human. But I I really, I don't want to jump off into that yet, but I just, oh, I just had to put that in there. So just keep imagining as we keep reading. Verse 14, he cuts down cedars. He selects the cypress and the oak. He plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Oh, the irony. Jeremiah fourteen twenty two says it best. Can any of the worthless foreign gods send us rain? Does it fall from the sky by itself? No, you are the one, O Lord, our God. Only you can do such things. So we will wait for you to help us. There would would be no seeds to plant or trees to grow if God hadn't created them. And they would not grow if God did not send the rain. And yet that is what this foolish artisan is using to create a God. All right. So keep imagining. This is the best part to me. Verse 15. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire. With it, he warms himself and bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true. He takes the rest of it and makes himself a God to worship. He makes an idol and bows down in front of it. Can you hear the sarcasm? So much, so, so much sarcasm that he says it again in a slightly different way. Verse 16, he burns part of the tree to roast his meat and to keep himself warm. He says, ah, that fire feels good. Then he takes what's left and makes his God, a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says, you are my God. Now, the thought of this scene is so preposterous that scripture repeats it twice in a little bit different way. (laughs) So we've read it now. We know what it says. We can easily picture it in our mind. There are no big words or concepts that we need to define, and we know what it means. It's an example of foolishness. Idols, though prized, are worthless. I'm not sure any of us would argue with that. So what does it mean to me? We know what it says. We know what it means. So what does it mean to me? Now, I generally stay away from this step on the podcast because I truly believe that if you will avail yourself to the truth of God's word, his Holy Spirit can reveal to you what he wants you to know. I want you to get really good at knowing what it says so that as you listen to pastors and podcasters and read other authors who explain what it means, you can be confident that they're starting with the same text that you know to be true, like you're comparing. I know what it says as they talk about it and, and I can discern that they're um, explaining it in a, in a good way. But this week, I just wanted to explore what does it mean to me? Where am I foolishly banging away, creating an idol that I bow down to in my own life, expecting it to rescue me when my creator, king and redeemer stands before me with arms stretched wide, worthy of my praise and trust? And to bring up the thought from earlier, am I bowing down to myself? Have I created a human God or have I even created a God out of myself, my own strength, my own power? So I took the bite of consulting an outside resource to guide my thinking in this. I will link to a Gospel Coalition article by Joe Carter that gives some areas for personal examination to determine whether the good things in my life have replaced a good God in my worship. And he suggests we examine maybe some of these areas. Our imagination. Our attention, our finances, our prayer life, our relationships, our emotions, our concerns, our past, our hopes for our future. If one of those areas I just listed automatically jumps out at you, spend some time in prayer seeking Father God and repenting. If you need a little more guidance, grab a copy of the article. I mean, he explains those different areas. He asks some additional questions in each of those categories to help you think about whether or not the good things in your life have replaced a good God. I will link to that article at michellekneesat.com forward slash 385. That's where the show notes will be found. Or if you're a current subscriber, it's already conveniently in your inbox. So what's next? Well, I want you to read Isaiah 44 for yourself. Consider maybe even jumping back to chapter 40 uh, like we did last week and reading through chapter 44 and beyond if you're so inspired. Use your imagination to picture the scene depicted there. Follow the logic to see how foolish idols really are. And if you uh, examine your own life to identify the idols found there, perhaps you can jot out your own logic to um, really highlight and display how foolish it is to depend on an idol that you've built up in your own mind, knowing that it's no God at all. Finally, turn in deep gratitude and praise to our Creator Redeemer with a humble heart. After all, who else can compare to our God? And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me, michelle at com. Hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneezat or Facebook, michellekneezat is my public page. And you can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network, a network of podcasts associated with New Release Today. And Today.com is the most innovative and largest Christian entertainment site online existing to inform fans immediately about each week's new releases. And I'm super excited to be part of this network. Now, if you haven't joined the 30 Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. The challenge is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. You are never too late to jump in. You just submit your name And email address at michellenezat.com forward slash 30 day challenge, and you're in. And then I'm excited to announce that I will be the keynote speaker at the Cultivate Conference, a conference for women in Lafayette, Louisiana, September 10th through the 11th. You can learn more about the conference by clicking on the link on my website at michellenezat.com in the speaking and scheduled events tab. I would really love for you ladies to come to this event. It is in the heart of Cajun Country, which is my home region. It's got the best food and best Southern hospitality you could ask for. It is going to be a great conference, and it'll be a great place to come into if you want to come and be a tourist too. We are going to be talking about cultivating wonder in our walk with the Lord, and tickets are limited, so make your plans today. Now before I tell you what song will be featured next week I want to thank any new subscribers to my website. Now new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one page resource of my top five bytes that I use on the podcast. It's a really great place to get started. I uh, Subscribers also benefit from that email that I've talked about. I send an email once a week with that include all of the show notes and the additional resources that I talk about with all the links I take notes for you and I send it to you in an email. I also sometimes create extra resources for my episodes. And so my current subscribers will get that first thing. All of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Uh, This encourages me of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneesat.com, through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using House of the Lord by Phil Wickham to jump into Scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michelleknizat.com forward slash 385. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's Word and consider His ways.